I will be the the master cunt. Yes, of the whole setup. I quite like the idea. I know it sounds like really like lame, but I like the idea that you never really die because when you die, you get you know your whoever you are gets transferred to other types of energies, right? I think that's really cool. If you get cremated, mm. you just have ashes. Like, what happens to those ashes? They don't get like eaten by bugs and shit. They're just like ashes. And you ashes to ashes dust to dust nothing happens I do <laughs> nothing happens I do sometimes wonder if the trees in the cemetery are so nice and the flowers grow on them really well because they're basically made of dead people like yeah. they've been fertilised by dead people and like if you get buried then bugs eat you and stuff and then they become butterflies and trees and whatever right mm-hmm. but I don't really want to get eaten by bugs and I mean there's not enough space for people to build houses let alone to start burying everybody I don't want to I don't so I walk through a cemetery every day uh, my way to and from work and there's like several new burials a week like eventually there's going to be no space I'm surprised there's not already it is a big cemetery but there's like burials from the 20s Mm. and we're still burying people in it now but yeah eventually just going to run out of space and then they start burying people on top of people and it all gets a bit grim and like there's so many graves there that aren't tended anymore because Mm. probably anyone who has any living memory of the person who's in the grave is now dead as well it's not really living memory then is it love (laughs) (laughs) they should just cut people up and put them all in a shoebox and then make them a tiny grave so they're still being buried but they're taking up less space. How are you going to fit a whole body into a shoebox? Uh, big shoebox. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, coffin size, maybe? <laughs> Shit! <laughs> I knew that wasn't the right word for what I was talking about. It's called a coffin. <laughs> so, have you heard of alkaline hydrolysis? No, but it sounds like bullshit. No. Is it's, it bullshit? No, it's the new eco-friendly way to be cremated... Basically, what they do is dissolve you, um, so in some water and some like really alkaline, don't know something. Super special sodium hydroxide. Yeah, like super strong, and they dissolve you, and then they basically wash you down the drain. The only thing it doesn't dissolve is your bones, which they grind up the same way they would if you were cremated anyway. Because you know, when you're cremated, your flesh and stuff gets cremated, but your bones mm. are still there. Um, so they go in like what is basically a giant food processor and just grinds up your bones so they just do that anyway and yeah apparently it's much more eco-friendly than um, getting cremated you know what they should do is those bones of people they should use them to make skeletons for Halloween they should use them for bone churches yeah just make bone ch- pop-up bone churches <laughs> yeah. like, like five pop-up bone churches in, in Shoreditch over a weekend hipster the hipsters would fucking love it churches. Mm. Oh my god, the idea of a pop up bone church. That sounds yeah, amazing. That is, I would so go. That is pretty cool. Yeah, I want to be alkaline hydrolyzed. Um, it's in, I think, Canada at the moment, but it's coming to the UK. I read it on the BBC the other day. I don't really give a shit. I mean, when I die, well, as long as, you know, I don't die of, I don't know, like getting run over by a steamroller or something, <laughs> I want all my organs to be donated. So I'm, pr- uh, okay, with the exception of my liver, which is probably fucked. <laughs> I'm going to be like a hollow shell. 
Uh, How do you after... feel about donating your eyeballs? Yeah, I'll give them. I I can understand why, like, that's weird. But at the end of the day, when you're dead, you're dead. You don't need those organs anymore. And I know that everyone's entitled to their opinion. I think it's so incredibly selfish for people not to be organ donors. Mm. Uh, that's why I think they need an opt-out rather than an opt-in system. Although, weren't they going for that? Yeah, well, I don't know whether they did it or not. I don't know. I don't know. As soon as I became 18, I went on the organ donor register. It's, like, so important. Yeah. You're dead. You don't need your bloody lungs anymore. Stop being so fucking weird about it. And then it'll take less time to hydrolyse you. Exactly. Because you inside. <laughs> It'll be cheaper. Yeah. We can fit yeah. you into a smaller shoebox. <laughs> First of all, what I want to do is give you a present. Oh. I love presents. Because I always get you presents. I know, and I feel like such a bad friend because I don't have any presents for you. It's all right. You gave me crisps. I'll buy you lots of vegan cheese and Sainsbury's. No, I don't. Mm, I can't. That stuff makes me feel so sick. Okay, I won't buy you any cheese. I don't have vegan cheese anymore. Okay, so I have you three presents, but I can't find the third one. It's in here somewhere. I hear it. Okay. Is it you? So, first, the two presents that I got you from Vietnam is... A green tea Kit Kat. Ooh. One thing you have to bear in mind is that I bought it in a country where it's constantly 30 degrees, so it probably won't look like a nice Kit Kat on the inside. <laughs> but even the wrapping looks so much nicer. And I had mine. I bought like a two-finger one. I got you mm. a four-finger one. I had mine, and it was actually quite nice. I had it in Guangzhou Airport when I was feeling like shit. Okay, I'm going to try it. Do you want some? Yeah. Okay. All right. You're a shit vegan. Oh, shit. I can't have Kit Kats. Only when you're on holiday. Because it's green. I just thought it wasn't chocolate. It's still chocolate. This is, this is not the way to live your vegan lifestyle. <laughs> okay. If it's not the colour of milk, <laughs> then it's vegan. Okay, I won't have any Kit Kat. I mm. did have some when I was in a different country. It's very good. And it tastes a lot like green tea. And it's quite sweet. Mm. I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised it's Kit Kat. Even, is the wafer green? The wafer's mm. green, look. Is it? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, really good. Yeah. Did I tell you I had a wasabi one in Japan? Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Oh, it's so good. What, you think it was good? Mm. Wasn't it spicy? Yeah, it's wasabi. <laughs> so you had a spicy Kit Kat? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Sounds like an insult. <laughs> a well spicy Kit Kat. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's my chlamydia. <laughs> the other present I got you actually is from Cambodia is white monkey holding peach balm and it's like it's, it's that's, got an actual picture of a monkey holding peach balm on it yeah and it's got some interesting instructions it's basically menthol balm stuff and it will like clear out your sinuses really well for the relief of minor muscular aches and pains insect bites and sprain do not apply to irritated skin of if excessive irritation develops avoid getting into eyes or on mucous membranes do not use for children under two years old. Keep out of reach of children. Have a sniff of that. Ooh. This monkey looks like he's wearing like a gold onesie. I think he's like the the king monkey. Oh my god, it smells amazing. Yeah. It smells almost like more menthol, pepperminty tiger balm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I'm going to put some, but I don't have any aches, sprains, bites or anything. So I'm just going to put it in the middle of my head. Yeah. I would recommend from experience not putting it in your eyes. Okay, <laughs> it's not good. It's a shame because it's like eye-sized amount <laughs> yeah, yeah. of balm, and I wanted to, you know, just rub my eye in it. 
and see what happened. Yeah, well, I can tell you it's not good. It smells amazing. But anyway, you can keep this Thanks, box. Thanks, Mama. And then your other present, which I've been meaning and trying to give to you for ages, is this. Oh, and I also, you. you know all those bracelets that I had, like mm. the licorice all sorts? I've lost all of them, or they've broken. How? So, in my sleep. I'm a very violent sleeper. Ah, wait. Do I figure out what this means? Yeah, you can figure it out. SSDGM. I have a matching one. SSDGM. Is this something we've said to each other? Uh, it's something we both listen to. Is it a podcast? Yeah. Come on. I'm being really dense. Stay sexy. Oh, don't get murdered. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it was the name of the podcast. Mm. So I was like, my favourite murder, <laughs> stuff you should know, stuff mum never told you. Oh, I love it. And it's colour, the colours are very nice. Mine's yeah. better than yours. So your beads actually do look better than mine. Yeah. So all of the black has come off the black beads oh, of mine. What? So it's actually shit. It didn't cost me very much money, but um, it will probably last you about two weeks and then it will be good. I'll keep it on until I break it in my violent sleep. Okay. I love it. Thanks, Mama. So cool. <laughs> no one's going to know what it means. They're going to be like, what does it mean? I'm going to yeah. come up with like really good acronyms like, <laughs> shit, son. Damn, ginger minge. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell people at your job <laughs> that's what it stands for. <laughs> and then record their reactions. <laughs> I will. It's a deal. Okay, let's talk about vaccines. So firstly, have you had the MMR? Uh, yes, I've had three. You've had three? I've had three. Are you, aren't you only supposed to have two? Uh, probably, but I've had three. Oh, that doesn't include boosters as well. So I've had three in sets of boosters. So you've had six? Yeah. <coughs> so are you super, super protected? No, I'm just really autistic. <laughs> Um, I've had three sets because I worked in a hospital and then I worked somewhere else where I needed it and I basically it was out of laziness I couldn't be bothered to ring up my GP and get them to tell someone that I already had the MMR so I just had it done again two more times that's how confident (laughs) I am that vaccines are fine yeah (laughs) so I had the MMR when I was a baby and then when I was about 28 I went to the doctors for a cervical screen and the nurse noticed that I'd never had my booster oh so god knows what my mum was doing but it wasn't taking care of me (laughs) at that time in my life and so yeah I didn't have the second MMR so she gave it to me right then and I think the only reason she really gave it to me is because sometimes there are like isolated outbreaks of things like that so I think the first one is generally usually enough Mm. but they give you the booster just in case and I think there was like a mumps outbreak uh, going on at that point in Hampshire and so as she noticed and this is how good that that nurse was and just the nhs in general to be fair is that i wasn't going and asking for it 
she just read my notes and noticed while I was having my cervical screen, not while, because she was paying attention to me at that point, um, <laughs> after I'd actually left the surgery and she rang me. I was like just getting in my car and she rang me and called me back and said, I can give it to you right now. Like, obviously you don't pay for it. It's like, she did it right then and there. She did it of her own volition. It, and it protects you against life-threatening illnesses. Exactly. Did you know, and I'll talk about this a bit later, that one of the consequences of having rubella, or I think maybe your mother having rubella when she's pregnant, is autism. Wow. So this vaccine that they're claiming, or they claimed, causes autism, actually one of the consequences of not having it and potentially getting rubella is autism. Mm. <clears throat> anyway, so vaccines, you can get vaccines in um, kind of a few different forms. One of them is you can have the live vaccine that's been attenuated. So that's it's been weakened in some way so that it can't actually cause disease, but it can still give us immunity to disease. Or there's the dead version where it's dead and your body still reacts to it. Or you can kind of get different forms where you just get a part of the problem. So you get maybe one of the cell surface proteins Mm -hmm. and your body can react to that in the same way and still give you immunity. When we normally get infected with something, so when we catch something from somebody else, our immune system, not only does it work to get rid of that, but it also remembers that particular pathogen so that if you ever get infected with it again, your body's kind of ready to go to fight it without you getting sick. And I think a good example of that, uh, which doesn't involve a vaccine, is a chicken pox. Right. So everyone knows, like, as a kid, you get chicken pox once, and you should definitely get it as a kid, because if you get it as an adult, you get you get shingles, you get it and it's really worse. really bad, yeah. Yeah, and then once you've had it... I mean, sure, there are cases of having it, you know, multiple times, but in general... I think, you... generally, if you are going to get it a second time, it's because the first time you had it, you had it really mildly. Yeah. Like, I know someone who had it and just had one spot. Yeah, it's not enough to provoke, like, a full immune response. Right, so then the likelihood of getting it again is quite high. Um, so in the States, they they are vaccinated against chickenpox now. Oh, really? Yeah, we don't, we don't have that, but in the States they do. So vaccines take advantage of the fact that your immune system can do that, can remember something so that you don't get it again um, by giving you something that isn't going to make you ill, but that your immune system can respond to and remember um, so that if you ever do meet the pathogen you're going to be able to fight it without getting sick. Yeah, and that's why sometimes when people get, um, uh, like, responses to vaccines like cold or flu-like symptoms, it's because your immune system is, like, going into overdrive trying to recognise this, like, attenuated or dead virus right. and create protection. And that's basically what happens when you get the cold or flu. The your immune system is like, listen, <laughs> boys, we're having a fucking party. We're going to go mental. Let's be all immune and shit. But then you're going to feel ill for a few days, but you're not going to get full-blown flu, which, by the way, is horrendous. Anyone who says they've got flu and they've gone to work with it is lying. Totally with you. I had <laughs> flu for the first time last year. And I was completely bedridden for like five or six days. Yeah. I didn't eat in that entire time. And yeah. nothing puts me off fucking food. Not even mould <laughs> and bins, right? It's like... Have you been bin diving? I've been bin diving. <laughs> uh, I've been eating a lot of floor pizza. 
along with the dogs. We love floor pizza. It's like a it's like a delicacy in this house. Yeah, floor it's pizza. my favourite topping. <laughs> Bits of fluff. Uh, ah, can I mention? So you mm. talking about the different types of vaccines? You can also get vaccines against diseases that you already have. So I'm thinking like cancer vaccines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so which is like a really cool thing. So you have personalised medicine, which is more up and coming now, where you can take someone's cancerous cells and figure out exactly what proteins they're expressing. So for a lot of chemotherapy treatments, it's for a specific receptor that not everyone that has that cancer expresses. Mm -hmm. So if you can take someone's tumour, figure out what they are expressing, you can give them a vaccine that means that your immune system will recognise, you know, that type of protein, that epitope, and just target the cancer rather than all your normal cells. Which is really fucking cool. It's amazing. And personalised medicine really is the way forward. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. at the moment, it's still you know really expensive i mean the price has come down dramatically of like whole genome sequencing so like completely sequencing someone's dna to figure out you know whether there are any mutations or whatever you know to treat them and it's come down a lot but it's still not accessible and i think personalized medicine is always going to be the most expensive way to do it because it always means that you need something that's specifically for you i know it's not exactly the same but it's a bit like buying some blinds from home base <laughs> that are a certain size and having them made to measure and having them specifically exactly. tailored for it's you. always going to cost a lot more, more expensive yeah. made to measure blinds i so, feel like you've had experience of this recently i have had experiences <laughs> recently having recently become an adult <laughs> and had to sort out blind buying which is the most boring shit ever <laughs> i'd much rather be getting pissed um and so they do it for alzheimer's disease as well um they there are trials of like a beta amyloid antibody to uh you know recognize the protein that aggregates in alzheimer's disease uh and target it so that your immune system recognizes it uh and destroys it but there have been a lot of side effects it's uh, really cool though because it's like hijacking your own natural system to to fight whatever it is that's wrong with you anyway so the vaccines take advantage of the fact that your immune system can recognise and remember and then be ready to deal with something by giving you something that isn't going to make you sick but is going to make your immune system know what to do if you ever do get sick. And that's obviously really good if the pathogen that you're being immunised for is likely to kill you before you kill it. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be immunised against something like the flu, I mean the flu does kill people but it's less likely to then that's great and it just means you suffer less but actually some things kill you yeah and it's really good for your immune system to be ready to deal with what's going to kill you before it kills you yeah and what's actually really interesting about the flu uh vaccine is i think i i mean i'm not 100 percent sure i think there are like over 120 types of flu virus viruses mm. uh, so they immunize you against like the top three most common ones mm. so just because you got a flu vaccine doesn't mean you're you're not going to get the flu. No, and also they have to predict what strain of flu they think is going to be because obviously yeah. they develop the vaccines over the summer. Yeah. To give them to you when flu season starts getting really bad. Um and they have to predict which of those flu strains they think is going to be most popular. So it's not a foolproof system with no. flu vaccines flu changes an awful lot from year to year a flu is a proper dickhead <laughs> flu is a dickhead yes it is and it makes you feel really bad i think i had lockjaw when i i think i've only had flu once and when i did i had lockjaw 
Like, it was really So you get that bad. from tetanus as well? Yeah, you can get that from tetanus. Did it mean you shut your pretty little mouth? Yeah, I didn't speak. Stop talking. I was a teenager as well, so I was speaking a lot of crap at that point, <laughs> so it's probably not a bad thing. You should have stayed in the kitchen making <laughs> sandwiches where you belong, with your locked jaw. <laughs> so, in the UK, we get lots of vaccines when we're children. Uh, we obviously, we get the MMR, we get polio, diphtheria, typhoid, lots and lots. And that stops the, fre- the, the spread of horrible diseases and part of that is because herd immunity Mm. so uh, we can talk about that a little bit more later but herd immunity is basically the idea that if you don't have anyone around you that's got the disease they're not going to be able to pass it on to you so the more people in your community and the more people that you meet who are immunised against something the better because the less likely you are to get it and essentially what that means is those irresponsible parents that are getting their children vaccinated have a fallback because they're not going to get the disease because there are lots of responsible parents who actually got their children vaccinated and i think this is what a lot of people don't realize is that the only reason that unvaccinated children aren't getting these diseases is because everyone else is vaccinated it's Um, not because the disease is made up like it's not a government conspiracy (laughs) yeah because that doesn't make any sense yeah like government gives you vaccines for free so why would ever they want to do that they are not trying to control (laughs) your mind with the flu vaccine (laughs) Um, so obviously there are some people who can't be vaccinated like ghosts immune <laughs> yes if you don't have a physical body you can't be vaccinated <laughs> that is true also uh so firemen i think firemen can be vaccinated not allowed, they're not allowed no okay so firemen also people with hiv uh <laughs> people on chemotherapy anyone who's basically immunocompromised can't be vaccinated which is why the rest of us need to be vaccinated because we then provide the herd immunity for these vulnerable people that can't, that can't. have it that physically can't have yeah. it yeah not choose not to but can't have it the whole like vaccination thing is not a good thing started in like the early 1800s when edward jenner developed the vaccine for smallpox okay so he was trying to give that to people i mean people dying left right and center from it and um he generated this vaccine i mean people had like a sort of crude understanding of science and medicine but you know people didn't really know religion was rife to be fair that doesn't sound much different from what it's like now this is true this is true i think it's maybe a little bit worse though with like (laughs) you know hangings and shit and witches i don't even know when witchcraft happened i mean Um, at some point in the past anyway so <laughs> we're not historians no, let's no. just not claim to be historians i'm not even sure we're scientists love um sometimes sometimes we are so jenna developed the smallpox vaccine and people were really against taking it for lots of reasons because they didn't understand it for religious reasons mm-hmm. uh the fact that someone was telling them that they needed to do something to be fair god doesn't mention vaccines in the bible that's true but he also doesn't mention priuses so should we not be driving those (laughs) well they're very good for the environment (laughs) um and then in i think it was like 1853 the uk government passed a law saying that everyone had to be vaccinated against smallpox and there was like a massive outcry and it's a difficult thing really because yeah if someone says you have to have this vaccine put in your body even though you don't want it it is like it's Losing an assault your autonomy, right? yeah. yeah but at the end of the day you're a dickhead and you don't know any better like 
you need to be immunised against it. Mm. So they were basically making children, I think it was children under three months, be immunised to smallpox. And I think it was, I think the last case of smallpox was in like the 70s. Mm. So it doesn't even exist anymore. I imagine there's like a couple of vials of it at like port and down. Yeah, I think there is. I so think the I've UK heard that before. So the UK smallpox for biological warfare against the French and That's I think some, it is horrendous. It is absolutely horrendous. So it probably exists somewhere in the world. Uh, but in a vial, in a in a minus eighty, I imagine. Yeah, just in case. I was just going to say about back to Jenna that the cool way that he discovered that you could be immunised against smallpox is he noticed that essentially milkmaids who worked with cows who'd had cowpox knew that they couldn't get smallpox. So somehow having cowpox made you immune to smallpox and mm. that I think that was his apple falling on the head moment of okay something can be like this can be utilised but it was a big milky cow tit falling on his head yeah it was a big nipple <laughs> on his head that made him think ah vaccines oh look this nipple it looks like a syringe oh what do syringes do inject you with things oh vaccines that's pretty much how Andrew Wakefield does his science <laughs> so let's talk about him fucking bastard let's just start by saying he's a fucking bastard he's a terrible terrible human being that has caused so much damage yes i am not going to disagree with you there so he attracted professional attention when he published reports that concluded that the measles virus might cause crohn disease now i've read the paper and i have realized that this isn't quite as simple as most people think it, I think most people would say that Andrew Wakefield published a paper that says that the MMR combined vaccine causes autism. Mm-hmm. I've read the paper. It was published two years after the, the Crohn's disease one in The Lancet. And it doesn't do any science on the MMR or autism. So let's talk a little bit through what happened so the i've put the infamous infamous paper and it has now very much been retracted by the lancet to the point where if you download it and print it out it has retracted in such big letters that it blocks out entire sentences of the paper (laughs) so reading it was quite fun so the title of the paper is iliad lymphoid nodular hyperplasia non-specific colitis and pervasive developmental disorders in children oh my god that is a mouthful yeah and it was called an early report by the Lancet. I've tried to find out how the Lancet defines early report, whether they have any like specific parameters, as in like this is the first time anything has been published on this mm-hmm. or anything. I can't find it. It has 13 authors, uh, which, let's be honest, no one knows who they are. The only one we know about is Andrew Wakefield. Yeah, and I think with... Uh, with scientific publications especially when it's live humans you always end up with a lot of authors mm. because there have to be clinicians involved mm. as and well I've as wondered how this works in the past because it has 13 authors on it I know people who have had their names put to papers without any input from themselves so they may have done some of the research on it but they haven't written it they haven't signed it off 
they haven't read it before it was published or anything like that. So having your name put to a paper is not necessarily indication of your support no. of what's in the paper. That's why... I don't know if it's a recent thing. I never bought... Oh, God. I don't read, like, the conflicting agreements mm. and blah, blah. But in the last couple of publications I've had, you have to... I don't know if it's included in the publication or it just goes to the journal, but you have to detail exactly who on the paper did what. Yeah. Yeah, and there's now things saying, like, such and such and such and such contributed equally to this work and yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's got 13 authors. I think many of them withdrew their support for the paper before the paper was retracted, I think. Um, <laughs> Good for them. So, yeah. So, the paper involved 12 children, 11 boys and one girl. That's not uh, unusual in autism. A lot more boys have autism than girls. Now, the paper says that the children were consecutively referred. So, that means that they didn't cherry-pick them um, they didn't choose which children would suit their hypothesis best. They just chose the first 12 children that came through the door for this study. And 12 seems like a small number. I mean, it really depends what you're doing and how big like your collaboration is. Mm. But in human studies, 12 is like an okay number to use, mm. especially if you're actually monitoring someone... Uh, and it's not like you're just taking their DNA and sequencing their DNA. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a respectable number to use. Yeah, especially as they're human beings. Like, yeah. human beings are notoriously difficult to make do anything. Yeah, I've tried with that one I've got in the basement, and it's all gone tits <laughs> up. So, this whole consecutively referred thing. Now, before I read the GMC's ruling on Andrew Wakefield, I questioned this because the amount of connection they decided to find and we'll talk about that a bit more later between autism and this MMR was knowing what we know now the fact that the MMR does not cause autism is too good it's too good to have 12 children and they're the first 12 children through the door and they mm. all have the same connection mm. between the MMR and autism because we know that it there isn't a connection especially when what are the, what are the rates is it one in a hundred children born in this country have autism spectrum disorder I think it's something like that yeah the I don't know I want to say 85% of them are immunized it might be more than that yeah because most people do get their MMR um and and that kind of ignores the fact that everyone else in the country has MMR yeah. has had the MMR and everyone isn't yeah. autistic we'd all be completely autistic by now yeah. if there was that much of a, a prevalent connection between the two so and we'll talk a bit about, about a bit more about the consecutive referral thing later um, but it turns out that Wakefield was being paid £50,000 in legal aid by some solicitors to investigate on behalf of some parents who were making a legal case against the MMR and pharmaceutical companies. Uh, so there was definitely a conflict of interest Which there. you have to declare when you publish a paper. Right, which he did not. Um, so 11 of the children out of the 12 sued drug companies. One of them was American, and I think that's why he didn't. The rest were British. Um, and 10 of them were already suing before the paper was published. So it wasn't that he did the research, 
found a connection and then they decided to sue. They already believed there was a connection. They, it was already a massive bias. Yeah, it was a foregone conclusion. And as he far was being paid saying. by these people. Exactly. He eventually received £435,643 for his role. That is a lot of fucking money. Yes. Especially in a time before our parents completely fucked up the housing market. <laughs> yes. And we could actually afford to buy a house Even in London. Then. Yeah, yeah. So the children were three to ten years old. Um, and they had been reported to have normal development followed by loss of acquired skills, i.e. communication, with diarrhoea and abdominal pain. So those are some fairly common traits in people. Like some people have autism and some people have bowel issues and many people have had the MMR. Mm -hmm. So they're not rare things to exist in 12 children the same. Um, so the children underwent gastroenterological, neurological and developmental assessment and they reviewed their developmental records. So they looked back on how the children had been developing. They had iliocolonoscopy and biopsy sampling, MRI, EEG, lumbar puncture and um, they had that barium follow-through radiography where you drink a barium meal and then they take pictures and watch how it moves through your digestive system. Does that involve actual bears? Yes, tiny bears, tiny heavy bears. Is that how Goldilocks got into all that trouble? <laughs> yes, I think so. She was actually at a hospital, probably a mental hospital. <laughs> drinking bears. <laughs> Where is my bear juice? <laughs> uh, so there are ethical issues here because um, their Wakefield said that these... Um, procedures were indicated so they were in best interests of the children mm. and were in the GMC ruling uh, which happened in 2010 they ruled against this so they didn't have a good ethical reason to I mean these kids had ASD anyway mm-hmm. so kids with ASD find these kind of situations generally a bit harder to put them through sedation lumbar puncture MRI EEG this barium meal stuff it's cruel it's a cruel thing to do and it's also as far as i'm concerned cruel on the part of the parents because you know they're not they've already made their minds up Mm. that the mmr caused autism in their children they're not trying to prove a link between the two. they've already decided Mm. they're basically doing this for financial gain because they want a paper to be published saying there is a link between these two things give me money and that makes Mm. them shitty parents Mm. i think we i mean there's a certain amount of of vulnerability i think that comes with being a parent of an autistic child and if you've got a medic saying to you these things but but if it was to help them i would understand but he was just trying to prove a link between mmr and autism that's a good point i completely understand if you're in a situation where there's no treatment and you're grasping at straws and trying to do anything that you can like give your child a gluten-free diet mm. or keep them out of the sun whatever but they you know i feel like this was just to prove a link between the two yeah i wonder if they thought gain. getting their getting their financial payout would help the children because they'd be able to get them whatever help they needed but at I what cost know. well exactly because these children had to spend a week in hospital um, as I think we've all had traumatic experiences as children that maybe didn't last very long or you know were short lived or whatever but you can remember them in your adulthood and when you mm. react in certain ways or certain things happen to you you can pinpoint 
that moment as being the cause of why you are now so Mm -hmm. to you know expose children to something for that long and it's awful traumatic things like in ileocolonoscopy a lumbar puncture like I never want to have a lumbar puncture um, and actually one of the one of the I don't think it was a child in this study but one of the children in a follow-up study to this was um, had to be rushed to hospital or to A&E in the same hospital I assume that they were already in um, because their colonoscopy punctured their bowel in 12 places oh my god what the fuck and they had multiple organ failure because of it did they survive so I think so I didn't I didn't read that they didn't. How do you do that? Are you like trying to push a tube up there? Oh, it's not mm. going. Just push harder. Mm. Just push harder. Yeah, 12 places Fucking as well. Hell. They're multiple organ failure. Like, like these things happen. That is a risk of having a colonoscopy. But this is why you don't give colonoscopies to people who don't need them yeah. because the risk doesn't outweigh the benefit. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true of what, what you did there. So so ethically he was all over the place so the the weird thing about this paper is that he makes a lot of claims and connections in the discussion so scientific papers usually consist of an introduction where you kind of present the background set up the story um then like a method section which says what you did a result section which says what you found and then a discussion which kind of talks a little bit about what you found and you can make connections that you haven't necessarily tested in the discussion but you have to be very careful about what you say so so you can't claim you found a connection that you haven't yeah and I think like as scientists we never say we've proven with absolute certainty it's like you could Mm. prove something and literally there's nothing extra you can do no extra experiment to show more of a link than what you've already done Mm. but you can never say i have proven outright that a plus b don't do that religious people do that they do they they act with certainty but yeah no science science is about trying to disprove yourself the whole time so and basically just ruling out other things yeah like well it's definitely not these things mm. is it this thing probably but i can't really say that it is yeah so in his discussion he writes about uh in eight children this is in quotes in eight children the onset of behavioral problems had been linked either by the parent or the child's physician with measles mumps and rubella vaccination so this is really odd because this is an anecdote essentially this is a mum or a doctor saying yeah the autism seemed to come on about the same time that they had the mmr that's not science like lots of people make lots of connections between things that there is no valid connection between because that's what the human condition is we are massively affected by confirmation bias so if you have decided that the mmr causes autism then you're going to see that it happened at the same time yeah whereas if you don't have that opinion you're unlikely to make that connection so um autism spectrum disorder is a neurodevelopmental disorder right right now as a neuroscientist i know that that is not something that happens overnight it's a neurodevelopmental problem Mm -hmm. it's where the development of your brain 
uh, does not occur normally. It is not something that is triggered by one event Mm -hmm. when your brain has already started developing Mm -hmm. that makes you become autistic. So I think one of the reasons why this is perpetuated so much is because autism tends to present around the same time that the MMR vaccine is given. And it tends to present as regression. So you will have a seemingly typically developing child who will then lose acquired skills. So it looks like they were doing fine and then suddenly they've gone backwards. Mm -hmm. That is how autism presents in a lot of children, whether they've had the MMR or not. That's just how it works. But I think that makes it look to some people like the MMR has sent them backwards. Yeah. So it's kind of like the perfect storm. You've got this scientist who's being paid to find a connection between the two. You've got this awkward timing of regression and the MMR. And you've got the media, which we'll talk about later. Which oh, don't, God, don't even get me started on them. And, and, it, and it does. It creates this perfect storm of like, well, I know these anecdotes, so it must be this. This is the reason. The next thing that they've said in this paper, after the anecdote of... Oh, and they said in eight children, the onset of behavioural problems had been linked either by the parents or the child's physician with measles, mumps and rubella. So why have they chosen these eight children out of the 12? Like, do you know what I mean? They're they're cherry-picking cases. So then they move on to only talk about these eight children. And that is Mm. so dangerous because... Um, as we were speaking about before, the bias between men and women in clinical trials. Mm. So often, data from female patients gets disregarded because it doesn't fit with the male data. Mm-hmm. And that is so dangerous. You can't just exclude data because it doesn't fit with your hypothesis. If it doesn't fit, then it means there's a problem with your hypothesis. Right. And if, yeah, so if you exclude the people that don't fit with your hypothesis, then you're going to end up with data that says you are 100% right 100% of the time to everyone else but actually what you've done is just chosen the data that best suits you gold star scientist you're (laughs) fucking great you've cured everything well done exactly like is it Kim Jong Il that's cured AIDS and cancer and something else it's a shame he hasn't cured being a cunt he definitely hasn't cured that so the interval between vaccination and the first symptoms was 1 to 14 days and this is why I uh, why I question the consecutive cases because that seems far too nicely correlated like i said knowing what we know now that it there is no connection between the mmr and autism one to 14 days between the vaccine being given and the onset of the loss of acquired skills is too nice that's Mm. that's too nice to have happened randomly um so yeah he's definitely cherry-picked these eight out of 12 cases but i do wonder whether these were consecutive cases that walked through the door or did he find the cases that were most closely correlated with having the vaccine and developing autism and use those in his paper because that makes more of a compelling argument or did he just make all of it up i mean also possible wasn't there something about he was paying kids at his child's birthday party for blood samples (laughs) oh my god he's like the shittest clown ever (laughs) so little tommy how was your how was your friend's birthday party it was a bit fucking weird some bloke in an anorak came up to me and cut me and put my blood in a vial Uh, that's not my kind of party that's my kind of clown 
<laughs> a clown that cuts you. <laughs> phlebotomy. Like, phlebotomino, the clown. <laughs> Funny. He did lots of tests showing bowel abnormalities. And as far as I'm aware, there is a comorbidity, i.e. two things that happen at the same time, two problems that happen at the same time in a person, between autism and bowel conditions and the discussion in the discussion he links autism and bowel abnormalities which is fine then he suggests that bowel problems might play a role in behavioral changes in autistic kids that's not okay that's the classic correlation does not imply causation Mm -hmm. problem um so he makes this kind of broad sweeping statement we obviously people reading it at the time wouldn't have known but we know now why he was making that connection because he was in to get a hell of a lot of money for it yep um, money is a whore. Money makes people bad. It does. You don't even want to know what I'll do for a Klondike bar. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, it involves sucking off phlebotomist the clown. Phlebotomino. <laughs> we need like um, some sort of podcast artist who can do a mock up of phlebotomino for us. He's like a clown walking with syringes in his hands. He's got like those sacks of blood hanging off him. He should have syringes for fingers. Yeah, yeah, because then he can take 10 people's blood at the same <laughs> ten time. 10 children. 10 children, yeah, if he can spread his fingers far enough. So. He keeps referring in the discussion. I say he. There are 13 authors on this paper, 12 authors, whatever I said, on this paper. He keeps referring to the absence of detectable neurological abnormalities in the children. So what he means by that is he couldn't, on the MRI that he subjected these poor kids to, he couldn't see any abnormalities, but noted that the children had developmental regression or delay. So this is a weird way of looking at it because what he's basically saying is their brains look normal and yet they have developmental regression. So what he's trying to say is there's nothing wrong with their brains, it's the vaccine. Yeah. Whereas we know that these children have neurological problems. Yeah. So just because you can't see it on the MRI, that isn't a reason to say that it must be the vaccine then. And for, by, by all accounts, what he's saying is it's coming from their bowels. Yeah. So... Then he makes the link between viral f- infections, particularly rubella, and autistic d- disorders. So he's inching closer and closer to linking the MRI, uh, the MMR, to autism. But this is all in the discussion. So there's no actual scientific work in this paper. So going back to what I was saying about how people think that Andrew Wakefield basically wrote a paper where he'd done some science that links the MMR to autism. That's not what he's done at all. He's done a paper linking bowel conditions to autism. And then (coughs) in the discussion, he's slowly suggesting that the MMR might be the cause, but but in a very opinion kind of way, not in yeah. a, I've done some science, I have evidence for this. And let's be honest, there's no place for opinion in scientific no. journals. No. In review articles, maybe, but in you know peer-reviewed fact journals, there is no place for opinion. Right. That and is I'm... the opposite of what science <laughs> is. Exactly. And I am surprised that this paper got into the Lancet. What's Lancet's impact factor? I have no idea. I'm going to Google it. Also, oh wait, I've got a really interesting thing to say. Mm-hmm. So, Simon Baron Cohen's empathising 
systemizing theory postulates that autistic individuals can systemize that is they can develop internal rules of operation to handle events inside the brain but are less effective at empathizing by handling events generated by other agents an extension the extreme male brain theory hypothesizes that autism is an extreme case of the male brain defined psychometrically as individuals in whom systemizing is better than empathizing now i bring this up mainly because the guy who came up with that theory simon baron cohen is sasha baron cohen <laughs> is that what you wanted to say he's related yeah. to ali g yeah well he is i he's... love that simon baron cohen is a, a massive psychologist and wait is that the right around and sasha baron cohen is ali g yeah and but, borat yeah and but he's super smart I know, I've seen him on the TV, he's really cool. And he's really kind. He's one of those scientists, I don't know what he's like in real life, but he's really kind. He looks nice. He doesn't look like Ali G though, does he? No. Um, he's, a, he's a professor of developmental psychopathology at Cambridge. He tries to make a link, tries to inch towards a link between MMR and autism, but it's in the discussion. It's not in the body of research that so he's done. So basically, there's no proof. There's no yeah. even fraudulent proof showing this link. Yeah. And in the discussion, they say, quote, we did not prove an association between measles, mumps and rubella vaccination and the syndrome described, which is like, no. Yeah. Of course you didn't. You didn't even do any work on it. But the, the, the mere suggestion that they didn't prove this link suggests that they consider there to be a link. There was a reason, yeah. yeah. Um, So I think that's a weird thing to say. (coughs) So the paper makes some pretty big assumptions, uh, mostly in the discussion, which is why I'm surprised it got through the reviewers. Um, But it's not criminal in its claims. It, it, It does say that they didn't prove a link, but I think in terms of the MMR scandal is what came after that. So Andrew Wakefield is a good example of someone who, who sticks to a theory when it should be abandoned. Mm. So uh, sometimes in science, I've had it happen to me recently, you do a bunch of experiments and they show no link between what you thought there would be a link to. So I spent a good six weeks doing a load of different experiments and my ultimate conclusion was that the compounds I was working on did absolutely nothing at that point you have to abandon it's not necessarily natural to do that because if you've come up with a theory I think as human beings we like to believe that we were right Mm. but if you're not in science you have to move on because otherwise this happens yeah it has massive ramifications on people right and you you if you educate people in one way it's very difficult to reprogram that so the fact that a lot of people have been made to believe that there is a link between autism and what they call vaccine in injuries it's now very difficult to reverse that mm. and to convince people that they should vaccinate themselves and their kids so yeah i wrote in my notes that it kind of speaks to our need to have a reason for everything medical so sometimes there is you are experiencing a particular symptom or something is happening to you and we get angry with medics for not being able to tell us why and I think sometimes medics will give us a reason to placate us but actually sometimes we just don't know what the reason is and maybe one day we will but I think as human beings we need to learn 
that some things everything happens for a reason in a scientific sense but we we sometimes don't know what that is no and i've seen a lot of uh religious people uh accuse scientists of you know oh well you say this isn't real because we don't have proof but mm. you always you have proof of things and then your theory changes and you mm. always call it a theory it's not a law mm. uh you know as scientists we accept that sometimes we're wrong sometimes you can't replicate something that's a massive problem mm. uh in research reproducibility of results right um because sometimes you do an ex- one experiment on one day and you do the same experiment the next day and you get different results and it might just be that the sun was shining through the window at that point yeah. and it's affected your experiment or you know room temperature was a few degrees higher yeah. or whatever and that's why we don't really adopt anything into our scientific body of work until lots and lots of different experiments in lots of different places it's not okay just to do one type of experiment we test things in lots of different ways yeah you have to prove the same thing from multiple different angles exactly so why is this problematic we talked about herd immunity before so 95% of a population need to be vaccinated for herd immunity to be affected so like we said, some people can't be affected, uh, can't be vaccinated. Um, so 95% of us need to be vaccinated to stop outbreaks happening. If you tell the world that the MMR causes autism and therefore lots more people choose not to vaccinate their children, there will be outbreaks of measles, mumps and rubella and there have been documented outbreaks in different pockets of of the country and of the world where these things have broken out. So like between I think 2002 and 2013 there was like a 75 or an 85% drop uh, in measles cases as a result of the MMR vaccine because it works it does work it very much does work and in that time frame the period the um the level of people being diagnosed as having autistic spectrum disorder hasn't increased mm. but I tell you what has decreased is measles exactly and rubella which causes autism anyway yeah um right and i think some people see the fact that more and more people have been diagnosed with autism as a reason that this is causing it but what you need to understand is that we've got better at recognizing what autism is so any increases in diagnosis are just that they're increases in diagnosis not increases in prevalence yeah so another reason why this is problematic is because parents of autistic children can be very vulnerable um there are a lot of people out there who will claim that they found the miracle cure for autism it might be a gluten-free diet it might be getting the child a dog it might be one thing or another listen i'm pretty sure that getting someone a dog is a cure for everything literally everything this is why i need a dog the best thing it's a cure for is not having a dog (laughs) which is the worst thing possible (laughs) exactly so everyone get dogs (laughs) <laughs> and and but, you'll be fine. But rescue them from yes places. rescue don't get new dogs i do not buy dogs that have been bred to have serious serious health issues that might be a, a good episode one day yes science of inbreeding do not get dogs with flat faces because <laughs> they can't breathe and no. they can't open their eyes and dogs need noses <laughs> dogs need noses is that your political party this is 
the name of my political party <laughs> dogs need noses stay away from blood sucking clowns <laughs> it's not a single issue party if no, you include clowns no 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 we, we've got lots of um, standpoints uh, amazing so uh, preying on parents of autistic children like this is despicable it is despicable because it makes them believe that they caused their child's yeah. autism and we know they didn't no um so the media now has started saying that andrew wakefield's work has been debunked debunked is the word they use i don't think this is the right term it was his work never proved that in the first no. place it's not been debunked the media have just realized that they ran with something for a really long time and they shouldn't have so somebody who describes this really well is ben goldacre in his book bad science um it's a good read it's not an easy read but he dedicates the entire last chapter of the book to what he calls the media's mmr hoax and he says that you can't lay the blame for the scandal solely on a Andrew Wakefield. There's no doubt that Wakefield ran with something he definitely shouldn't have run with. But he couldn't have done that all on his own. Um, he needed the media to play with him, at the, you know, for his theory. And the media perpetuated misinformation. So there's a quote in from this chapter that I'm going to read because I think it's quite good. Uh, he says that, the media drove this story cynically, irrationally and willfully onto the front pages for nine solid years. They extrapolated from one study the absurdity while studiously ignoring all reassuring data and all subsequent refutations. They quoted Bunyan's experts as authorities without explaining the science. They ignored the historical context. They set idiots to cover the facts they pitched emotive stories from parents against bland academics who they smeared and most bizarrely of all in some cases they simply made stuff up mm. so like we said the evidence wasn't really that compelling to begin with but the media ran with it for such a long time one of the things that the media really um latched onto was the fact that tony blair's son leo hadn't had the mmr or may or may not have had the mmr they wouldn't um, the Blairs wouldn't confirm or deny that he'd had the MMR. And actually, I think they talked about Leo Blair more than they talked about Andrew Wakefield. Like, the media mm. really just went to town with it. And um, they're often borderline. No, they are irresponsible and borderline criminal mm. in the way that they report things. Because the problem is, is, science is like a really difficult thing to understand. And we understand science because we've spent like nearly a decade at mm. university mm. learning about it. That if you use these emotive words, you can just bamboozle people into believing anything that you want them to. And I've seen so many times uh, in the news, oh, we've cured HIV, we've cured Alzheimer's, mm. we've cured cancer. And even in re reading the original article, you can see there are massive flaws. And then mm. <coughs> all the paper hasn't even claimed that in the first place. Yes. And it's just completely been misconstrued. Mm. To sell papers, essentially. Uh, I mean, one, and this is like really a minor example, but it's the first one that jumps to my mind, is that recently Oxford published a study where they uh, were using ketamine, micro doses of ketamine in people where all other antidepressants had been ineffective and like the headline was something along the lines of like ketamine cures depression mm. but in reality i think it was 
either 49 or 51 percent about half of the people the ketamine actually worked for now that in itself is amazing because all other antidepressants didn't work for these people mm. but it has not cured depression no. uh it's just helped some people mm. you know and you think right i'm depressed i'm gonna go and take some ketamine Mm. Uh, and K-hole do not take ketamine <laughs> recreationally it's a fucking horse tranquilizer. you are not a horse <laughs> unless you are a horse and then that's absolutely fine we yes. don't judge you I mean it I is wonder also... if we'll get any horse listeners oh, we, obviously you know uh, some naked men with horse masks on <laughs> that's different uh, it's also used um, in children's surgeries as an anaesthetic because it anaesthetises without affecting the heart rate it's often used in animals, uh, in animal surgery, mm. and I think it's used in people that have been like medivac flown to places okay. because you don't want someone who's had like a serious injury like flailing about yeah. like a fucking squid <laughs> uh, midair. Yes, uh, and this pilot's like, put your fucking seatbelt on, stop flailing. <laughs> uh, so it's just to like sedate them. So yeah, I don't really blame parents for being confused on the matter of the MMR vaccine and autism because the media have made it very easy to be confused and to to be scared about whether or not you should give your child the MMR. Mm. But I think something we need to make clear is that there is not a single shred of evidence that the combined MMR vaccine causes autism. There never was any evidence in the first place and there isn't any now. Um, so go get vaccinated yeah man it's free it's free i know in this country at least for now theresa may do not vote conservative no we shouldn't have a political message like that (laughs) i know can we can we say that i was listening to the guilty feminist podcast and at the end she says um please consider working for like the women's equality uh voting for the women's equality party but if you don't do that please just consider voting for any party that gets the tories out like she's blatant about it Right, so I want to pose a moral question. I don't think this is going to be very much of a debate between you and I. Should parents be able to decide if their children have vaccinations or not? Again, I mean, no. No. (laughs) I agree. Because, you know, people don't know what's good for them. Um, Yeah, I think, personally, that if it is only something that affects you, yourself, then you can decide whatever you want but vaccine if your child has a vaccine it not only does it affect whether they get ill but it also affects whether other people who are unable to have the vaccine get ill and like we said earlier some people who are unvaccinated are only not getting ill because everyone else is vaccinated Mm. so it's not really fair to rely on the fact that everyone else is doing the right thing and you can stand on your high horse and say no I think um, in Australia there's some um, schools where you can't attend unless you've got an up-to-date vaccine record. Good. I love getting vaccinations because I feel like I level up as a human. Like, (laughs) this is my next thing. Like, I am now immune to this. And I had to have a load of vaccines... to be able to go to vietnam and it and the nhs gave them all to me for free and i didn't get any horrible i didn't have the rabies one and i just promised i wouldn't touch any animals and i don't know i kind of wish i could have touched some animals but yeah but you can get um as long as you get the rabies vaccine like really quickly (laughs) after being bitten just wash i was in southeast asia i wouldn't even know where to go to get the stay away from the bats 
So, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. I saw huskies in Vietnam. What the fuck? It, you shouldn't have Siberian animals in Vietnam. It's not fair. They've got so much fur. Like, I couldn't even take my cats to Vietnam. That <laughs> makes it sound like I was going to try. <laughs> I wasn't even allowed. They wouldn't even let them on the plane. <laughs> They've had their rabies vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was too hot for fluffy dogs in that place. But they were yeah. beautiful. Oh, so, right, anti-vaxxers. Let's talk about them. Oh, wow. They are a particular group of people. So there's a, a hashtag on used on Twitter and Instagram that is herd immunity is a hoax or herd immunity is a myth or something oh like my that. god what along with fucking climate change <laughs> and phlebotomist clowns <laughs> um yes so this one really makes me laugh because herd immunity to me is like that isn't something that even really needs to be proven because it's really obvious that if you're not surrounded by somebody who's got a disease then you won't get that mm. disease how can that possibly be a myth like that's just pure logic if somebody is near you and they've got measles you might catch measles however if they don't have measles there's no chance that you'll catch measles yeah and i think a lot of anti-vaxxers are people who know nothing mm. about these things let's put it this way right i have worked in academia for like 10 years i've been at university for that long more than that actually Mm. Uh, and i've never met a scientist who doesn't believe in vaccines Mm. or believes that they cause autism or any other yeah uh, issue yeah never not one yeah i think being a scientist gives you a certain amount of privilege because you're able to look so even if you don't know about specifically those viruses or those vaccines or whatever you have the ability to think scientifically and not not everybody thinks that way but i don't know why recently there's been a um a kind of rejection of scientists and science i mean it's so prevalent with climate change yeah so this whole like alternative facts idea that that you can have facts and you can have different facts that contradict the facts and part of the thing comes we were talking before about scientists being able to change their their uh you know theories behind Mm. what they're proving because you know science is an evolving thing and we find out different things every day yeah people uh that know about climate change and experts in climate change often change you know the way uh, i'm making it sound like it's opinion because it's not an opinion it's based on it's an evolving theory yeah exactly and people use that as proof Mm. quotation marks to discredit climate change Mm. there is one person in particular that i can think of (laughs) that also happens to be an anti-vaxxer is he not uh yes he he very much is an anti-vaxxer i know exactly who you're talking about it's an orange man and um trump the clown also (laughs) related to phlebotomolitis (laughs) phlebotomolitis sounds like some sort of blood disorder (laughs) i've got awful phlebotomolitis today (laughs) luckily i've still got my tongue so i can say it um yes he is an anti-vaxxer and also an anti-climate change guy so that is just enough to prove to me that he doesn't know anything about anything it's just an all-round knob he is he makes me sick um he makes me sick because i didn't have my vaccines because my parents listened to him and now i've got measles (laughs) and mumps and rubella i think i had the mmr but i think i also had measles and rubella i don't think they worked on me i think i remember my mum telling me that maybe because she didn't give me the booster (laughs) yeah probably (laughs) i've had it three times so i'm fucking i'm a god are you like super immune i am so is there anything else you want to say about vaccines 
get them. I had to get a Hep B vaccine for work. Did you have to have any for work? Yeah. I, so I've also had three lots of Hep B vaccines <laughs> uh, because the first two times I did not get immunity. So they took blood and checked. Yeah. Mm. So I've had, I was on the accelerated course for Hep B because I work with blood. And I have to then, I think, so you have like one a month for three months and then you have one in 12 months and yeah. a blood test at that point to see if uh, if I've got immunity. So I'm, I'm just halfway through right now, but it's great. It's great. Free vaccine just for working with blood. I'm um, immunised against so many things <laughs> because you can. Yeah. Uh, well, and you, I think the nature of your work over the last 10 years has meant that you've needed to be. Yeah, so at one point when I was working in a biochemistry lab, uh, I used to do uh, test blood for poo, basically, faecal or cold bloods, which is a grim. And yes, it smells as bad oh, as you think it would. I can't even imagine. Even though it's kept in the fridge. Oh, uh, cold poo. <laughs> and one person. Wait, do you have to, when you do it, do you do it in a fume yes. hood? Okay, good. Yeah. One's pretty simple. You basically get like what I like to call a shit stick. (laughs) Put some shit on there. Put it on some paper and add solution A and solution B. And if it turns one colour, it's got blood in it. And if it turns another colour, it hasn't. It hasn't, right. Uh, And so it come in those like little beakers that they make you poo in. I don't even want to know how people do that. Like, I don't care to imagine. (laughs) Uh, And I had one person that sent it. And there was no poo in there, just a piece of paper. And I was like, huh, (laughs) this is interesting. Let's see what this says. <laughs> a note. Um, it's like a message yeah. in a bottle. <laughs> it's a scavenger trail. <laughs> uh, and on the note, it just said, I'm really sorry I couldn't go. <laughs> Why did you send it in? <laughs> That's brilliant. I had another one that just had a jalapeno in there. <laughs> you did not shit out just one solitary jalapeno <laughs> with no shit. What are these people expecting? Like, what did you do? Send the results back. Like, well, there were no results. What did, like, how did you deal with that? There was a comments box. Sorry, couldn't test this shit. (laughs) Wasn't available. (laughs) Error, 404. Shit not found. Oh, patience, 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 Uh, patience. I know, I was speaking to the medic the other day who was asking me what my... The medic, the the only medic in the UK. The only medic. And he asked me, I had my work ID around my neck and he asked me what my specialism was. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't do people science. I do lab science. I don't want to deal with patients. But that is a specialism. Well, yeah, he was meaning he thought I had a medical degree because of the university is a medical university. So he, he and he'd done his medical training there. He just assumed that I that's what I had done as well. And I was like, nah, 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 nah. I you did, you should I did have the said PhD. My specialism. It's in dancing unicorns, <laughs> and you could just start prancing around like a twat. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure you could probably do a PhD in that if you wanted to. You can literally do a PhD in anything. You can. So, um, one thing I was going to ask you is, why do you want to make a podcast? Uh, why do I want to make a podcast? Yeah. Because I want to be famous. Why do I want to make a podcast? Uh, because I think that people might like... No, that's, I can't say that. You can say that. No, because they might not like us. They might think we're arrogant. Well, well I'm arrogant. People will think we're arrogant, because people think all kinds of things. 
I... <laughs> Actually, what's arrogant is me assuming that people will listen. <laughs> it might not. I think we might have one or two listeners and they'll be our mum. Yeah. No, I'm not telling them about this. <laughs> uh, I wanted to make a podcast because I like you. You're my best friend. Oh. And I like talking to you. And I like science. And yeah. so we can help people that maybe don't know as much about science as we do mm-hmm. and tell them a little bit about what we think i want to make a podcast because i really like the sound of my own voice do you i didn't want to use it a lot. i was gonna say because i didn't even ask you why you wanted to make a podcast. <laughs> quite frankly dear i don't give a shit uh well i'm gonna tell you anyway i want to make a podcast because sometimes i feel like i'm quite bad at explaining things and i'd like to get better and I feel like if I can spend a lot of time explaining things that I know about, I'll get better at being able to talk about things that I know about, mm-hmm. which is sometimes a big part of my job and your job. Um, so that's one reason why I want to do it. Um, and the other reason is I want somebody to make a lipstick and name it after me. Right, are we done? Yeah. Have we got anything else to say? I don't know. If you have, you better say it now. Or forever hold your peace. Mm. No, we're good. And Pepsi will be. She can be the woof. The woofer. Wait, what's that thing called? The the broom thing they hold up. Is she a subwoofer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>